we had been through so many ups and downs with the show that it wouldn't have been a shocker if the show came back, which thankfully did. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Welcome to EW's Binger Community, where we're taking a deep dive into the NBC cult classic comedy. I'm Derek Lawrence. And I'm Chancellor Agard. And today, like the rest of the Greendale group, we're back uh, and we're talking season five. Um, we're lucky enough to be joined by Danny Cootie on this episode, and we'll, we'll talk a lot of things with him, including season five's big news of Dan Harmon being back and Donald Glover's departure. Um, but before we get to that conversation, um, Chance, for you, season five, it's, you know, as the first episode calls itself Repilot, it is really the show trying to get back to what it was after Dan's departure and uh, missing season four. Uh, what's your overall impressions of season five? I always liked season five, and I think now on this, this rewatch, it sort of like cemented itself as like my second favorite season on the show. Um, I think I probably Garrett had a good argument. It's like for a lot of shows, it's nice. There's, there's something really rewarding and cool about seeing a show bounce back after an off year, and I think we get that with season five um, in a great way. Um, and so it's just really cool just to sort of see it, um, to like rewatch it and see this show sort of find itself again and get back to what we loved about it. Yeah, it's always tough as a show is getting towards the end of its run, right? And like you said, to have a bounce back like they do here. Um, obviously, it probably helps that everyone felt rejuvenated by Dan coming back. You know, if this was just a traditional fifth season um, coming off a bad year and just the same people are running the ship, then who knows uh, what we get here. I know Good Wife did it. Yeah, that is true. As, as uh, diehard fans of The Good Wife and Good Fight, we can both uh, verify that. Obviously, you know, like I mentioned, Donald Glover leaving is, is the big part of, of this um, arc in this season. Um, that's something we talked a lot to, to Danny about, and that's something me and you will dive into as well um, after our interview. Um, so let's, let's, you know, people want to hear what Danny has to say about that. Not, not us. So let's, uh, let's go to our interview with him and then stay tuned for, for Chance and I's, uh, deep thoughts on season five. As a reminder, unfortunately, since we're all stuck at home in quarantine, these conversations were recorded over zoom. Today we're, uh, talking season five and we're, uh, honored to have uh, a Greendale alum, Mr. Uh, uh, Danny Pudi, who played uh, Abed. Um, Danny, how's it going? It's it's going pretty well. Yeah, um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, very excited to do this. It's been uh, obviously a, a strange time, and so we're all doing okay here. Um, just thankful we're healthy and staying inside. And shout out to all the people out there who are keeping us safe. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the reason we want to do this, obviously, it's A, it's a weird time. You know, people mm -hmm. are inside um, looking for things to watch. But then also it's a big occasion because perfect timing that community hit Netflix um, just <laughs> in the last few weeks. How Have you already noticed like a kind of re-energizing of the fandom and kind of people talking about the show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just feel like... Uh... You know, our show was always an underdog, and it was always a show that we wanted to share with people. Our fans have been tremendous forever, um, and it's um, it's nice to see this show have a second life, you know? 
and a third life <laughs> and, <laughs> and, a, and a fourth life. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I feel like the show uh, community, the gift of it really uh, in many ways is that um, it, it keeps coming back. It's um, a really it's a show that rewards repeat viewing. Um, and it's it's a show that I'm enjoying right now with my family for the first time, uh, which has been really cool. So I'm happy for all the people who have uh, been discovering community and thankful that we have another chance to share the show with everybody. Oh, did you guys start watching it when it got on Netflix? We did. Yeah, just last week. I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? Homeschool has been quite a challenge. <laughs> community came at the perfect time. We're isolating specific episodes to make sure, uh, you know, my kids are eight. So it's uh, they're kind of at this time where... Um, some of the things make sense to them and some of the things don't definitely don't, uh, we're trying to meet them where they're at. Um, but it's been really fun. They've enjoyed a lot of it. So, uh, we're on season one right now with the kids and, um, it's been fun. I haven't seen the show in a long time. A lot of these episodes I haven't seen since we filmed them pretty much. So, uh, it's been cool to revisit them. Are you also having to then like explain some of the pop culture references as well? Like, okay, now we have to go watch this movie after watching this episode or... Yes. There was a great joke that I forgot about in like season one, I believe, where um, Professor Duncan, played by John Oliver, says cheers uh, at the end of a conversation with uh, Joel McHale. And I walk by as he says cheers, I say mash. And then he says faulty towers. <laughs> um, and it's just a super quick joke. Cheers, mash, faulty towers. And I had to explain that to my to my son because he's like, "What what just happened there?" And I'm like, "So much, so much just happened there in like five seconds." And I had to explain what Mash was, the show, and we do this whole Mash homage in that uh, episode. And um, so I was explaining Mash to my son, which is really cool. And then we haven't gotten to Faulty Towers yet, but I'll, eventually I'll explain that to him as well. I can't wait till you have to get to the uh, Dinner with Andre homage and explain that one to him. That's going to be a long <laughs> conversation to talk about uh, that episode. That's a long conversation with anyone. I have yet to figure out that episode myself. So, <laughs> But that that's actually my favorite episode of all community episodes. So I can't wait to share that with them. So we're here talking season five. Before we like fully dive into season five, after my rewatch, I have a very important question for you. Nicolas mm. Cage, good or bad? It's mm. a great question. Prior to filming that episode, I would have said good, but then my lesson in that episode was that um, he is neither good nor bad. He is an artist, and he is—he gives us the gift, as I think Shirley explains it to me. For you, like with season five, what is the first thing that that comes to mind for you when you think about you know community season five? I think the first thing that came it came to mind was that a repilot. It was bringing everyone back again. After season four, which some people call the gas leak year, you know, we were very fortunate to keep the show going and that was miraculous. So I think, you know, Joe McHale and he did such an incredible job of bringing everyone back and getting Dan and, and Dan coming back. It was, I think for all of us, a real, a treat to just be able to, I couldn't believe we were doing it again. So being back together in the repilot, reading the first script and feeling like, wow, our show is, is back um, again, you know? Different, but back in a new way. We can repilot. This could be like Scrubs season nine, a revamp, a do-over. Jeff could come back to Greendale as a teacher. I'm not gonna be a teacher, I bet that's lame. The second thing that stuck out to me was when Donna left. Both those two things were pretty, you know, they were huge for us. But to be able to send him off and have a nice goodbye in, uh, in our Hot Lava episode, that was really special, so. Bye. I'm in. Amen! 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 
those are, I guess, two of the things that definitely stick out to me the most. And then the third thing is I, Ass Crack Bandit. I, I just will never forget the Ass Crack Bandit. Ass Crack Bandit! Do you remember where you were and sort of how you found out that Dan was coming back? I mean, had that been something you guys had been talking about and hoping would happen, or was that a surprise to you? Or It's hard to say exactly where I was. There was a lot of conversations that were being had around that time. I do remember hearing the news and being so, so happy um, and just relieved, just really relieved, you know, for me especially because playing Abed is such a unique voice, a very specific voice, and not having Dan there, that was really, it could be really difficult. Um, his his perspective and his voice is very specific, um, and it, it's what made Community so special, I think, in many ways. So I was very, very thankful to have him come back. Did it kind of feel right back in it like you kind of once dan was was back in the room and writing these characters and contributing to that did it kind of send you right back to those early days and kind of what you guys were putting together yeah in terms of memorizing uh some of abed's monologues or pop culture references um first of all i'm not a pop culture expert um dan our writers even our cast uh i was surrounded by experts in many ways so if i didn't get a reference to farscape um or <laughs> uh, any kind of obscure reference i know i could look to jim rash or joe McHale or donald or allison I, and someone would know you know with Dan, though, when he came back, uh, you just know with the language, it just came easy, you know, because a lot of it was very true to the world that he built with these characters. So I just remember picking up the scripts right away and flying through it, like flying through them, um, like I did when I first started reading Community, which was this very just specific world um, and just grateful. You had mentioned Donald um, leaving. Kind of what... Uh... How'd that come about? Was that something, you know, you guys had talked about or that had been a conversation leading up to that? Um, or when it was announced, like, what were those conversations between you and him? Because obviously you're, yeah. you guys had built this great on-screen relationship, I'm sure off-screen as well. You know, it's interesting. I think we all knew it was going to happen <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Our show had a lot of ups and downs, as we all are familiar with. Um, and so by season four, I think we knew it was going to be happening at some point, you know. Um, I didn't know exactly when. I remember um, vividly when Donald um, played me some music in his car. This was probably season three at some point that he was working on. It, it wasn't like one of your friends playing you a mixtape and you being like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, I think this was like Heartbeat. I think that was the song. And I was Ooh. like, oh, this is like real good, Donald. <laughs> and so I, immediately I was like, okay, you're gone. <laughs> this is... Um, you know, but for all of us, I think we we were just supportive of each other, being like, you know, just grateful that we had a chance to make it that far. I think, you know, in two seasons, season one and season two, we did 49 episodes, which in today's streaming age is ridiculous, you know? So we had, we had a lot of time to appreciate each other. And, and I think being on set and seeing how much work he was putting into um, other passions he had. Um, I was I was just really thankful to be to be there and to be there to support him. So, in season five, when it came around and it was time, I was sad. You know, I was bummed out, but I also knew and I was excited for him. And I think we all were. So it was just a matter of figuring out how many episodes he was going to be in. I think that was a big discussion. Um, and I know that not just with the writers, but with all of us, so we could figure out how to make sure we gave him a good goodbye and. Um, you know, to really savor all the time that we had with them. And I actually wanted to talk, I guess, talk about those two episodes, cooperative calligraphy and then 
geothermal escapism, which sort of when I when I when I was rewatching them uh, last week, I was surprised by how the polygraphy episode does a really good good job of convincing us that it's like oh it, I guess that it's time to say goodbye to Troy, that it's time for him to move oh, on. Yeah. I guess for you guys as as you end sort of doing that as well and like doing those scenes, especially in the polygraphy episode, did you guys feel that as like feel that way as well? It's like oh yeah, this feels this feels like the moment now, like the sort of the the writing sort of got you there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice to be able to grieve in a show where you're grieving about your real life friend, you know, saying goodbye. So we we got to say goodbye twice. Any of our sort of bottle episodes, you know, uh, truths are revealed. And so it was a really nice episode because it gave us a chance to really, to share how we felt about, about, uh, about Donald leaving and about uh, Troy leaving, you know. And then Lava was like going back to what our show became, you know, I kind of feel like, the lie detector test uh, episode was what our show started as in many ways, us sitting around the table, being honest, revealing secrets. And then Hot Lava was what our show became, which was this uh, out of this world other show, you know. So to be able to do that, um, really have a, a two-part send-off for Donald was great because we got a chance to go on an adventure, get out of D Greendale's, um, I guess, normal classroom settings. Uh, but also have moments where we're actually truly saying goodbye to our friend. So it was cool. What was it like for you and Donald kind of developing that relationship? Like, obviously, on paper when the show started, like, those characters didn't seem like they'd be matched and be these great friends. But it ended up going down as, like, a, kind of one of these, like, iconic TV friendships. Um, so what was it like developing that with Donald and, and getting that chemistry and relationship down? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't think that our relationship was intended to be this comedic duo within the study group from the beginning. And I think Dan has mentioned that, uh, I believe Pierce and Troy were originally intended to be this duo. But I think naturally we just kind of had fun with each other. We just clicked. So Donald coming from, you know, comedy, theater background, and I, me coming from a sketch comedy Chicago background, it's, um, a lot of things just kind of made sense, you know, and I think when we were paired together, we just had a lot of fun off camera and on camera, and it, it just it just really worked. And then I think the writers really just started writing towards that, you know, and they did an incredible job of giving us just awesome B stories and C stories where we were just, you know, doing bits, um, which, you know, may have started in sort of these tags at the end of episodes, but... Um, then they turned into, you know, adventures that we were going on, um, you know, during real episodes, which were, you know, it was super fun, you know, um, whether it was us like, you know, doing, um, kick puncher videos or, you know, um, you know, rapping, um, crumping, anything. It was just really fun to be able to be like, Hey, here's an idea. Um, let's throw you guys at it. And we came from, I guess, two different perspectives, but we always had fun with it. And so... I've always been a huge fan of two-person comedy, so that to me was a, just a wonderful gift. Okay, so it seems as though we have a clip. You want to set it up for us? Uh, I'd like to, but I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, we'll just roll it. Ooh, my name's Jeff Winger. Ooh, yeah. Hey, I'm Jeff Winger. I'm so tall. Ah, this watch is expensive. Muscles are everywhere. Oh, that was really funny. Guys, what's going on? Where are the cameras? Oh, we're not filming this. No, who'd want to watch this? Oh, guys, it's 6 a.m. Jeez. We're not going to have him back. Troy and I, in no. the I mean, I guess, and then once Troy left, I mean, for you, what was it then like sort of, uh, I guess, what was it, I guess, what was the show experience like for you? Because now you've, like, you've lost your main scene partner, 
Yeah. Like, what was it like for you as Danny, but then also like having to then like take Abed on these sort of Troyless adventures? Yeah, it's funny. We made it. Uh, we made a bit of it while we were filming because as soon as Donna left, um, every character that was paired with me, we just kept yelling new troy new troy <laughs> so which was which was really fun you know and looking back at season five i mean we had an amazing group of of pairings you know i mean i had i started a relationship with brie larson you know which was uh, with with rachel and um you know annie and i were living together in our apartment and we there's a great episode with us um vince gilligan's in it too where we're playing this uh vcr 19 early 90s vcr video game now when you hear the word draw when you see a square with a color or number matching one of you or your opponent's cards, the first one of you to say bang wins the challenge player's token and the amount of their bid in gold. What's going on? Ready? Yes. I'm not. Me and Hickey, Jonathan Banks, pairing up for some adventures where he handcuffs me to a filing cabinet. There's there's so much that goes on, and it's a chance for for the first time, I think, in many ways, for Abed to really be paired with a lot of different people and different perspectives. So he's forced to grow. He's forced to learn. And that was exciting for me, to be paired up with all these different people. Very uncomfortable for me, Danny, and for Abed, which was, you know, we went from this sort of easygoing, um, you know, almost like childlike comedic uh, duo to all of a sudden Abed has to grow up real fast. So... Um, it was a lot of experimenting, you know, um, which was really fun because I was doing things like Nicolas Cage, good or bad, and, you know, um, you know, dancing on desks, or I should say being a sexy cat on a desk, which uh, <laughs> is every child actor's dream. Nicolas freaking Cage, okay? Oh, yeah! Oh, I'm a cat. I'm a sexy cat. You you mentioned uh, Brie Larson playing playing Rachel, and uh, she she had been introduced in season four, but then came back here in season five, and Rachel and Abed started a relationship, which was like another side, you know, of the character that we hadn't seen, and obviously it was interesting watching him try to navigate um, that. What did you like? Did you think it was important to to see this side of Abed and kind of explore? um that kind of relationship for him i did i did and i think that one of the the nice things is i think early on in the show we established that abed is not your typical sidekick character and i think that in a, in a sitcom trope world that could easily happen you know so it was nice to see ways where the writers all of us could stretch abed and show that abed could be have have these storylines that are a stories um he could have romantic interests you know it doesn't necessarily have to look like everyone else's you know um but he is a, a he is a person. He's a full person with a full life, and so um, that's that was something that was important to me too to show uh, to keep showing different sides of Abbott so we didn't fall into something. I think again with Dan back and Chris McKenna back, um, both of them, um, I guess challenging things that we had already done, you know, and and making sure we were keeping, um, I guess pushing pushing Abbott in, in certain ways. So. I was very happy for that. What happened to Rachel? Like, because I think after she <laughs> like, sort of like, I don't think she ever like comes back again. Yeah. They still dated. They might still be dating. I think. We don't know, right? We don't know. Um, there's a lot of questions of like what happened. I wonder sometimes what happened to me and Hickey's screenplay because weren't we supposed to be doing a cop, a cop uh, yeah. show uh, about police yeah. justice? That's I don't know if that ever happened. So that's still out there. You know, these are all movie ideas. These are all movie ideas. We're just riffing. Just riffing. 
what, like you said, the show was an underdog, and I'm, there were so many instances, and I'm sure you guys looked at each other when it came to finale time, and I was like, is this it? Uh, but like at the end of season five, like, did you guys really think this that was it? I think we were always aware that our show was just about to be canceled was already canceled and they were just giving us the gift of filming um, or was about to be canceled. So we never knew. And I think that we use that um, in filming. We use that as sort of like, let's just try anything. Within the confines of a comedy, we were given a lot of freedom. There was a lot of times we were filming scenes that we were like, what are we doing? And it was very quick. And, you know, Joe Russo would say things sometimes like dealer's choice, which meant like just kind of say anything or do anything in this one take, you know. And then sometimes those would make it on television. We couldn't believe that we were doing these tags two days before they aired. Um, you know, and then Dan would write something or come down with a, a revision um, or the writers would come up with something on set. And a lot of it was just like, we couldn't believe how lucky we were. Truly, it was a very special, a very special show that we all were very aware that could end at any moment. So I think we were always like, is this show dead? You know, is it is it going to keep going? So, yeah, definitely at the end of season five, we all thought it was done. <laughs> I think we all thought it was done. But we had been through so many ups and downs with the show that it wouldn't have been a shocker if the show came back, which thankfully did. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah. Oh, what... Um... What else for you stands out from season five? Was there any, do you have a, like a favorite episode from that run? I mean, there's so many great ones, but is there- like... I mean, you mentioned the, the, the Ass Crack Bandit episode earlier. I love the Ass Crack Bandit episode. <laughs> I think overall is when season five starts, the tone is completely shifted from season four and season one. So I think if you just saw a couple episodes from season one, and then you fast forward to the Ass Crack Bandit episode from season five, <laughs> It's rainy, it's moody, it's just like Fincher film. You're like, what is this show? This is, a, this is an NBC Thursday night sitcom? That's what I love about season five, is that it is a complete departure from what we were doing in season one. So that episode in particular, I think is hilarious. I think Allison, Brie, and uh, Joel McHale are so funny in that episode while they're going on this hunt for the ass crack bandit. Um, I love how it's filmed. Um, I love when our show um, transforms, right? And so there's a lot of episodes in season five that have these automatic transformations where we go from like having these conversations in the study room to all of a sudden it's a full-on caper where everybody's on board. Um, same thing with uh, the Hot Love episode, which was Donald's last episode. All of a sudden there is Shirley Island, which the props <laughs> department, the set designers, our directors did a fantastic job creating these worlds within worlds. I think there's like little things that stick out to me from season five. Like there's a, I think it's in the Ask Crack Bandit episode where Jim Rash, who's so funny, is uh, standing outside of the study room because he's not allowed in the study room anymore. And then this French song starts playing and he just starts crying. <laughs> It's super out there, but it like really spoke to my soul. It made me laugh really hard, and I was just so thankful to be part of a show that could do that. There's a, a storyline, a small storyline with Ken Jog, which is one of my favorites, where he goes into, we're going to see some live theater, and he goes into a theater and does a one-man show, an impromptu one-man show, <laughs> and then he comes out and... Uh, <laughs> He's told that uh, all the people that were originally in that theater, the theater was closed down, they had all died in a fire. So there's, he thinks he's doing one-man shows for ghosts. <laughs> That's... You guys believe in ghosts? 
And if you do, do you believe what those ghosts tell you about other ghosts? It's really insane. And, oh, boy, do I love that bit in our show. Um, let's see here. I think some of the, uh, oh, and, of course, Jim Rash's peanut rap, which was just, <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good. Uh those are some of the things that definitely, like, I feel like really stick out for me. Well, I'm a peanut bar, and I'm here to say your checks will arrive on another day. Another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar. Another stuffed shirt with another white collar. Criminals, Wall Street, taking the pie, and all the black man gets is a plate of white lies. <laughs> you, were, you were saying that there were some bits how, like, sometimes, like, like Joe Russo would just give you guys, like, a tape just to do whatever, and, like, some, yeah. and sometimes and sometimes it would make it, I guess, and this is very specific, but, like, as, I guess in season five, do you remember if that happened as much? Like, is there is, is there a moment that was completely improvised on your part or, or, or your castmate's part that actually ended up making the cut? I feel like a lot of that would probably be with Jim Rash, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, moments like the peanut rap. Uh, moments with him during Dungeons and Dragons, especially, where he and uh, his character uh, Dean Pelton and uh, Jeff Winger are paired up as as uh, father and son. In any episode, when we were around the table, there was always some some freedom to play, and um, you know, some of them made them in, some of them didn't. But uh, I don't know; it's hard to remember at this point. Yeah, you know? the actors on our show, our cast was so uh, so incredible, wonderful people, and we spent so much time around the table really uh, diving into our specific points of view. So when it came to time to go on any adventure, you really knew where everyone was coming from. And I think that was just, uh, I think, so fun. And it's so fun to watch where you know we're going to go on an adventure um, and there's going to be, you know, eight different takes. And, I mean, the dynamic in the characters is, is what's so important to the show. But, I mean, in season five, in, in addition to losing Donald, you guys then got Jonathan Banks as Hickey. I mean, I guess what do you think having him sort of both the actor and that character sort of brought to the show, and what well, I guess, what new did they bring, I guess? His sort of, like, realism um, is a stark contrast from what we had with Pierce <laughs> as a level, level five laser lotus, right? <laughs> this guy came in as, like, a person who served our country, a former cop, and, I mean, there's a highlight for me right there, is we have this amazing tag in season five where Donald and I um, disguise ourselves as a, a houseplant, and a leather recliner, right? So I'm disguised as this houseplant. Donald's disguised as this recliner. And we hide in Jeff Winger's office, thinking that we're going to surprise him when he walks in, right? Instead, Jonathan Banks walks in and makes this really sad, depressing phone call about prescription medicine. We're stuck there in these disguises. <laughs> and it becomes this really, like, wonderful contrast about us being such children dealing with these real world uh, <laughs> uh, stakes and I think that's what Jonathan Banks brought to it is this very realness to it he brought his Breaking Bad self to a show that was a comedy that tonal shift was uh, highly entertaining let me tell you something Leah I wake up every night screaming life is unfair but it's the only thing we get yeah 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 I'll call back later that's uh, that's what he brought. He brought this very different energy, um, which was great because it was something we couldn't replace with Pierce. Um, and, and again, when Donald left, you can't replace Donald, you know. And so the only thing you could do is move on and bring in new people and and see what else your show can do and see how we respond, respond off them. So, yeah. Another yeah. highlight I just thought of is Gillian Jacobs uh, realizing how much power she had with mustard on her face during our meeting. <laughs> <laughs> You're all alive. You are all alive. 
Ever. Look at the mustard on my face, but listen to my words. Do you, almost, do you think you guys, that Meow Meow episode, I feel like social media was obviously growing and like turning into something crazy, but it's even feels like it's gone up a level since season five. Do you feel like you guys were kind of ahead of the curve even with that you know, Meow Meow Beans episode? Were we streets ahead? <laughs> um, Dan, I think so. I, mean, I think we were doing things always that were just, you know, uh, in real time following the world. I mean, that's Dan being in real time, also talking and engaging with our fans and being like, what's working, what's not. So yeah, when Meow Meow Beans came out, I think we were all like, this could be possible, you know, and scary and terrifying. And I love how our show and our world was transformed and, you know, Tim and Eric and... Kirkman, they were all in that episode too, and how immediately there's this whole order to that world. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I just, I just feel like our show is definitely aware of, of fans in the world and and just trying to be um, present with that. As people roll into season six, is there like one episode that you're specifically excited um, for people to see in the final year? Oh my goodness. I think I think the finale is is really heartwarming and sweet, and it's a chance for us to, in some ways, predict the future again, which our show is always uh, has done multiple times, you know. And sometimes, you know, uh, there are episodes where, um, like in season one, where Abed predicts the future, and the study group is doing exactly what he um, says they would do in his homemade movies, you know. And then season six, um, I think we're all predicting where we might be, but we also have these really sweet goodbyes and Rob Schraub and the directors of our show and Dan and, and everyone did a really wonderful job of giving each of us a true goodbye. So um, not many people get that chance. I'm very grateful for that, that our show um, had uh, a chance to exist way longer than it should have probably. Um, <laughs> but truly touch people in a way that um, is special. And I'm seeing that again with it being on Netflix. And so I want to say thank you to all the fans for getting us there. Thank you to Yahoo. Thank you um, to Netflix, to Hulu, to NBC, to everyone who's given our show life. So um, I'm very grateful. It's changed my life. And I can't wait uh, for everyone to discover their favorite moment of community. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. All right, thank you so much to Danny for joining us. That was a great, great conversation. He was, a, he was a great sport, so we appreciate him taking the time. Chance, we talked a little bit about season five at the top, and clearly um, Dan Harmon coming back is going to come to mind when you think season five, also Donald Glover leaving. Um, but for you, what really stands out? Is it? It's probably, I would guess, it's, it's Donald, Lee, Donald and Troy leaving. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the two of us, I mean, we talked so much about this, right? But like, one, I like the fact, like, when I was watching cooperative calligraphy, which is very much in conversation with cooperative uh, calligraphy from season two, uh, I was surprised by how, like, that episode makes a really good case 
for Troy to leave. The last thing I wanted, wanted to happen was for Donald Duck to leave the show because he was so good. I think that episode does a really good job of getting me to getting the audience, or at least me, to a point where I was like, oh yeah, it is time for Troy to move on. Like um, in the in in the span of, like, in the span of that twenty two minutes, you know. And also, I think it's all it's just really funny, just like just sort of from like uh, Walton Goggins, like giving everyone semen uh, to all the secrets that. <laughs> To all the secrets that came out about um, like Annie drugging them and um, all this, and uh, and then geothermal escapism is just like on the flip side, that's just a classic comedy episode. It's high concept, uh, post-apocalyptic episode um, that's about Britta trying to get Abed to talk about Troy leaving, um, which is a interesting way to approach that. I think ends up working though, and is really cool. You don't get it. No one gets Abed. I got him a little. This is my fault. When I think of season five, I just go straight to the, uh, just like Abed's admission that he sees lava every time when he thinks of Troy leaving or a world without him. And that is something that's very, like, moving because uh, of how Danny plays it. Um, and then the sort of the show taking that step further and saying how, like, in order to grow, in order to move on, there has to be some sort of, like, not death of your old self, but just like a rebirth of sorts, you know, and to let go of the past. So I like the idea that both. Of falling into the lava in order to be reborn and move forward, I guess. Yeah, and that, I mean, that goodbye to Troy in uh, geothermal escapism um, is so raw and, like, it really felt like, which a lot of great goodbyes on shows feel this way, is the actors saying goodbye to their friend, right? And that's yeah, what it yeah. felt like. Um, you could see the emotions there between all of them as they, one by one, said goodbye to Troy and Donald. Um, so, yeah, that's some great stuff in, in that run. And I think that's why we point to when we picked who the MVP of the season was, we picked Donald. He's only in what five episodes of the 13. Um, but it's not just, he does great stuff in these two episodes. Um, he's hilarious in the ass crack bandit episode when he's a victim there, his reaction is priceless. Um, but then also just the impact that him leaving had on the other characters and particularly, uh, Danny Hootie's Abed. Um, Mm -hmm. and it really allowed, um, that character to go to new depths and, and new directions. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, Donald was great throughout, but really um, came to the finish line with a great uh, ending. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's the, is it the first episode after he leaves? Uh, or one of the, one of the, one of the first, one of the, right shortly after thereafter, it's sort of, we get your favorite episode of the season, right? Uh, App development, app development to condiments. Um, yeah, I personally love it as well. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's a ridiculous episode. I love it. Um, why is that your sort of a? Yeah, that was a few, number one. I think I was like two or three after after Donald left, and um, I said I love. I've I've gone back to where I like some of the less high concept episodes, but then I that doesn't mean I don't also love the high concept episodes. Um, and this one was great because I feel like they're almost a little bit ahead of their time. With the, it's with this, a black mirror, you know? It's like yeah, it, it really was. You know, with Meow Meow Beans. Um, it's not, 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 I think Black Mirror had, that episode of Black Mirror that sort of so much of it had aired already, but still sort of like, still, it's still amazing though. Yeah, and just like seeing uh, who would rise to fives and fours. Um, and then I think this came up with Danny, like Britta having to put mustard on her face for anyone to take her seriously and listen to her uh, was just great. Um, so there's, there's some really, uh, fun things in that episode and throughout this season, it's, it's a great season. Um, it gets to explore a lot of different things with a lot of different people. Uh, we talked a lot about it with, with Danny, but you know, he, Abed, you know, has a 
uh, girlfriend. So we get to see how that plays out, you know, with Brie Larson as Rachel. And then, you know, he has an episode where he's paired with Jonathan Banks, who, I mean, I think Jonathan Banks was a great addition to the show for this yeah. season. Um, and there were some interesting things explored um, between Abed and, and his character. I mean, I, I mean, I like the idea of sort of, of, uh, of Hickey not allowing, um, not putting up with Abed's crap. And it was like, no, there are consequences. Like, and handcuffing him to the, uh, to the filing cabinet and then them eventually getting to a place of understanding and getting past that. I mean, that episode is funny too, because like, it's also about, at the same time, it's, uh, uh, John Oliver's character is trying to get Jeff to over the Brita and then Chen, and then in Chang is performing a play for this audience that may be dead or the janitor who tells them they're dead, it might be dead. And it's just so ridiculous and stupid. But I, I, I remember, I remember, I don't know what it was, but it was like just Chang stepping on stage and going, Hong Kong, 1964. It just killed me when it came out. Well, you called me! Well, then let me be the one to do this! <sighs> My mother used to tell a story about how she killed a chicken. Hong Kong. 1964. Yeah, um, that was a great, great episode. And another great episode in, uh, is G.I. Jeff, uh, the G.I. Joe homage uh, that they did, the animated episode. And that's uh, that one that Dan Harmon wanted to talk about when we chatted with him. So here's, uh, here's Dan on G.I. Jeff. I mean, the G.I. Jeff episode is amazing. As I, I, I had said earlier, I, I just watched that one as a reference point for a, for an animated project I was pitching. And, um, but it's, it's really solid, especially considering it was, we, we really fretted over that thing. It was incredibly hard to write. And so it was sort of, um, being created while Rob was animating it. And he had this Herculean task of, holding up in a basement with teams of kids who needed to make this thing look like an eighties Hasbro cartoon while we negotiated with Hasbro and the rights owners to say like, well, can we just have Cobra commander and Duke and all these guys and like track down some of these old voice actors who had done these classic voices. And it, it was it, it, to watch the completed thing now is such a triumph because it was also usually in episodes like that that have a kind of uh, stylistic um, uh, concept to them, it was easier to use Abed as with the uh, stop-motion Christmas episode, but we were doing the same thing now with the very neurotypical Jeff Winger and tying it into the idea that it was his 40th birthday and that he had done a TV-friendly version of maybe mixing pills with booze, um, uh, which, you know, it's just, it was just, I'm very proud of how tasteful it was done, how silly and funny it is. I hope people that had never seen G.I. Joe liked it, but then again, I mean, if, if, if the price to pay for that episode is that if you, is, is that non-G.I. Joe fans are like, this is unwatchable, I, that's a rare instance of me going, yeah, then it's not for you. And I just really wanted people to feel like they were 10 years old in the 80s again. Good shooting, wingman, but it looks like Destro's getting away. Not necessarily, sir. What? Oh, no. What are you doing? Are you crazy? 
moving uh, past our favorite episodes, um, you know, we've been doing B Student Corner where we highlight a supporting character. And this, this one's going to be two guys because we, as season five went on and rolling into season six, the school board guys, uh, Richie and Carl, um, just killed me. Anytime they came on, uh, on screen, um, they were s- the worst people ever. Uh, but they would make me laugh. Uh, what did you love about about those two? School board, baby! School board guys, coming in! I would appreciate some knocking. Do you know what goes on in here? Just a heads up, there's an insurance appraiser coming tomorrow. Your ass is getting appraised, insurance style. I mean, again, you said it, they're the worst people, and they're borderline incompetent, but just, like, that to make them funny. I mean, the best thing was <laughs> in one of the final tags of the season, like, when they have all these, like, fake, commercials for fake NBC shows it's like one of them I can't remember what his superpower was like he was, he was psychic right yeah I think so yeah oh god I, just, I loved it um yeah I think I think it just like they really put up some great numbers in the two-part finale which is also double as a series finale as most of the finales have had to um and so I thought they were great especially great maybe great antagonists too in the final episodes where um, where the shit where the school is about to become a uh, subway school one of my uh, one of my highlights of the season, it doesn't uh, relate to the school board guys, but uh, going back to Repilot, um, the jokes about Scrubs season nine, um, <laughs> as someone who, who, who watched all of season nine of Scrubs, um, it's funny what Aubrey keeps referencing that year, and that's the year for Scrubs where um, basically it was the extra year where a lot of the cast members were in and out um, of the show. And Zach Braff only did a few, did like six episodes. Troy's like that son of a bitch. After all, Scrubs did for him. It was kind of <laughs> it was kind of, it was hilarious, but then also like perfectly laying the groundwork for then Donald to be kind of doing the same thing and leaving. Uh, and then it's really all tied together with a Zach Braff voiceover at the end of the episode, uh, which which was just great. Little victories count for a lot around here. Hi. Even if you never asked to win in the first place. See, he does a voiceover wrap up at the end of every episode. Um, what else? Uh, kind of any last thoughts for you on on things that stuck out on season five? I mean, I think we have to talk about the Zod- the like Dave Fincher's Zodiac episode real quick after uh, the Law and episode. That's, this is one of their best homages. The, the the level of detail that goes into it. I mean, one of the funniest things, and I and I have this in a, um, and I have this song on my phone to the to this day is the Ben Folds' Ass Crack Bandit song, which the lyrics you listen to them are just hilarious um, and as someone who hates puns um i love this song which is filled with corner puns it said quarter to five but it was quarter to ass you thought your plumbing was safe but your jeans were half amassed another coin down the drain now that's some change that won't i always loved anything with the, the ass crack bandit um we talked about it with allison brie Back in uh, our in our season three episode, she was very mums the word on on who who might have been the ass crack bandit. Um, but yeah, they they always did these great homages. Like uh, it was perfectly. It felt like this actually could have been directed by David Fincher. Like that's how perfect uh, it was. Um, and yeah, that another standout. Like I said, there's, this is the first season with Dan that they only did thirteen episodes, and I feel like they still packed in a lot of great stuff. And like we talked about, it, it was a great uh, bounce back season. Well, that's all the time we have for season five. You've sat through our thoughts on community, but we now want to hear yours. So to hit us with your favorite episodes, your favorite performances, anything, you can find me on Twitter at, at Derek J. Lawrence. And me at Chancellor Agard. 
Thanks for joining us today. And please remember to subscribe to EW's Binge wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We got one more episode left, so tune in to our season six episode. Um, we're going to be joined by Gillian Jacobs, who uh, obviously is amazing as Berta, and she, she was a delight. Um, but until then, class dismissed.